Hey guys, this is Maquita Danielle of Polish Pistol and you have reached my podcast. Life things. Here we talk about the things that happen in life, whether it be ups or downs or moments in our lives that feel like they're going sideways. Most importantly, here we are safe, here we are free and authenticity is the name of the game. Dude, I have a podcast. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> So today we have Chantel. She has been my homegirl since early days in college. Um, and yeah, um, a lot of memories together with my daughter. Um, and it's just been a blessing to maintain this friendship despite the distance and life changes and um, all of that. Yeah. And to get to this point where I have had the opportunity to watch Chantel just blossom and like do the daggone thing um, in her field of expertise, it's really cool. Um, and then separate from work even, just as a woman, as an individual, um, just someone, like you're just someone that I admire and I respect a lot for a number of reasons. Um, and I'm glad that I get to call you my friend. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, so today uh, we're going to be talking about something that we have discussed on other occasions um, through our own just various experiences and struggles. Um, and then, you know, just tapping into some just like the overall issue, um, but mostly just focusing on um, our own experiences, bringing um, to light the reality of it for those that need to hear it so they can have just some validation in what they're experiencing or have experienced before. Um, yeah, I would say that is essentially the goal and to have uh, some fun as we usually do in the midst of all of the craziness and chaos. But first I should, I didn't even ask, like how how are you with COVID-19 and all of that? You were saying a little bit earlier, but. Yeah, um, I'm doing like all things considered, I think I'm, you know, doing well, mm -hmm. finding ways to manage, finding ways to cope um, healthily. Um, so I, I feel like I'm, I mean, we're on week eight here in California, so I'm feeling pretty good. Like, I feel like I'm somewhat in a routine of this normal that's not really normal. And um, I'm finding like a groove in midst of it all. So the sun shining, abundance of gratitude, finding the good, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. Taking advantage of the time, the quiet time force time inside you know yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah it's funny when I turned 32 this year I was like everyone at my birthday party and it was the first time I'd had a birthday party and I don't remember how many years and it was like well, what do you want for this year what are you focusing on and I just kept saying stillness because I feel like the last three years of my life have been like move 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 on to the next thing I, I get something I set out my goals I achieve it what's the next thing and so now I'm very much in this phase of like 
focusing solely on, you know, like being still and being forced into this space of stillness has been like what I asked for. So in moments when I when I get frustrated and upset, I'm like, well, this is what you put into the universe and you got my <laughs> wish. So here you are. Right, right. Yeah. The stillness part, not the pandemic part. Right, right. Exactly. To clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, it's yeah, stillness. So I know one of the first things I want to touch on is um, anxiety. It's you know the opposite, obviously, of stillness. This constant moving in the mind, and I wanted to touch on it because I find that it's something that is common, even though it's not necessarily identified as anxiety. Um, and because I recall like various women just essentially asking like so how does one manage that in the workplace? I will, and I, I I want to know your thoughts on that. I just want to share really quickly. Like for me, I was being asked to not just do my job, but to prove that I deserve to be there, prove that I deserved my job, prove that I wasn't doing something that I wasn't doing. Um, a lot of, I would say like a significant percentage of my job was just like CYA. Um, documenting, being questioned a lot. And then, of course, and then you have just the nature of the job itself, like supporting um, people in like C-level roles where it's already busy and hectic and you have to be on top of everything. And so on top of that, then having to back up the fact that I am doing it. And so I kind of wanted to just um, understand if you had any experience surrounding that. Yeah, and speak on that and kind of your experience with that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you bring up such valid points that I think, um, when you are from like a marginalized group and not that I even seek it out, right. That I just find that in these spaces and when you see someone else who looks like you, just like the amount of effort and thought that goes into how you present and what exactly you say and the tone and the pitch of your voice and how you give feedback. I mean, every single thing is thought out so thoroughly that it becomes, it it becomes exhausting. It's just, it's a constant state of like, I'm, I'm 50 steps ahead mentally to make sure that, you know, people aren't going to perceive me as such. And I'm already going to mentally prepare that they have received me in that way. So now I'm figuring out how I'm going to handle that. Um, and it's really hard. And, and, and again, on top of the fact that like, you know, in spaces where there are no women of color or people of color, you're dealing with these, this, it's just like an icky feeling. Um, and I totally, I feel like I do spend, and I've said this, um, in, in, it probably doesn't help me, but in, in recent times, I've been more vocal about how I feel to leadership that it's it's more about me proving again, like it's a constant proving as to why I deserve to be here. Not about my work product, always about like, always about like, well, why do you get to be here? Um, and it's super hard. And then you find, I do find that when you don't get um, projects that get the right visibility, um, which would result in promotions and would result in opportunities to lead that you then have to, then you're really spinning your wheels trying to understand, well, like, okay, so I'm, I'm already not set up for success. I'm, I'm constantly proving why I get to be here on top of the fact that this is clearly not playing me to my strengths. It's not showing me that, you know, showing leadership that I am more than capable. So, I mean, it's stifling and it's, 
it's utterly exhausting and I could not like empathize with you more on just the, the, the exhaustion mentally that I think I felt more in the last three years than I probably had in my entire career. Um, and I think it was just because I didn't, I don't know if it was naivety. I don't know if it was like me just not paying attention to those things, but like there are spaces now in which I occupy. And again, it's this, it's this like double-edged sort of like, I did such a great job in getting to where I am yet. I'm still proving. And I still am not where, you know, someone who doesn't look like me, who doesn't have nearly the level of education or the background or the expertise gets opportunities that I don't. Right. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's super hard and it's utterly exhausting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I will say that I will say that one thing that I recall helping in some of those instances and some of them I didn't have. Uh, and, and even because in that environment where the where my superior asked me, what do you do all day? <laughs> um, he himself was a person of color um, and there were other people of color in the office still benefiting more than me. I was the only African-American woman, though, and I didn't have another African-American woman that I could. Um, go to and especially not in a leadership position but not even like a peer that I could go to um, yeah but in the in the next position I remember um, I had a African-American male who really got it and then another um, African-American female who just really um, just someone to just validate that what you're experiencing isn't like you're not just making it up because sometimes in the environment itself, like being placed in it, it can feel like no one else is really seeing what's going on. Like, am I the only one seeing Yeah, this? you're getting, yeah, guess, they'll gaslight you real quick. They'll be like, you're making, that. that's not at all what happened. And then you do, you yeah. go into this, then that, that's really when you spiral into, for me, that's really when I spiraled into like that, like my anxiety, like was at an all time high, it was just this, like, there was this no sense of validation. And when you think of like, for me, it's been, and as I work through therapy, like, triggers for me and now that I'm able to see my triggers is like not being believed and um in workspaces where I've said like I'm not getting the support that I need you're not clearly explaining to me what the scope is of this project you are not clearly saying to me what the expectations are and what you you know what the deliverables are you're saying go and do things but I do that I deliver and then you say they're wrong and then you know the way you speak to me is not the way I've seen you speak to other people in meetings and it's like no Chantel like I don't know what you're talking about you're totally making that up I remember having that encounter and then you know sitting back and being like okay maybe it is a me thing and then thankfully I had an ally like a woman that is white that was like no like he was totally disrespectful to you he cut you off you are right you need to talk to a lead and it was interesting too in that moment because I didn't even want to trust that person right I was like and then I get to this point of like like severe isolation where I'm like, I can't trust anyone. I'm like super scared to like say how I feel. I don't know if it's going to be used against me. I don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah. Cause that happens. 
Exactly. It's totally. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a minefield. Like you're, you're like, I, am I going to step on a landmine? And that becomes more of your day to day than like your actual job. And, um, as someone who like, I truly like, I love work and I love being able to like, see my impact, see how what I'm doing is helping people. And when I can't do that because I'm so focused on like navigating the politics and like the spaces I occupy that really aren't meant for me, it that's when the depression starts to flare up, right? Like it's like the anxiety is over here and then depression shows up like, yo, where you at though? <laughs> I'm like, oh no, but I'm just spiraling, right? So it's definitely been... The last year has been like in this whole like space of reflection and stillness. Like, you know, the first time in my life, I'm not trying to like figure out my next move. I really am like, okay, why don't we take a breath and focus on like where we are right now and who you are and get centered in myself to then make sure like the next move is the best move and the best strategy. But in this time of folk being able to see these things, it's like, whoa, like this is really where I am um and it's it's I just I hate saying that I keep using the word exhausting but it's yeah it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a complete like energy and time suck and yeah talent skill set all of that it (laughs) could be put to better use um without that (laughs) (laughs) totally like and you know it's so funny I think that that's like my favorite thing to say like in in my last situation where it was like clearly just like grossly mismanaged person leading a team um I said you know as a manager like it's your job to understand like what your people's strengths are like play me to my strengths I think that's a common theme I've said in the last three years um in the workspace that I've been in is that like play me to my strengths and as someone who's like very in tune like I know where my strengths lie I know the areas I need to improve I'm very very good at communicating what it is that I want and where like not to toot my own horn but like I'm a bomb ass employee like I'm telling you this ain't it (laughs) and so too it's and and I think that that is where the frustration for me lies because it's like part of me wants to believe that like if I'm telling you that, like, this is where I see me best fit into our team, not even just like, this is what's best for Chantel. No, this is what's best for our team. And by having Chantel here, like, you don't put me there. I can't help but think that, like, you aren't here to see me succeed. And then again, then that anxiety spurs up of like, are they trying to see me fail? Am I not going to get promoted? Am I not going to get more opportunities? And so it's a constant, like, swirl. 24 seven. Right. Right. And to, I'm going to make sure that I put this link. It's the, I remember I, it's the 2018 one of the McKenzie project. I might've sent it. Um, uh Oh, let me plug in really quickly. Thought I was plugged in, but I'm not. Okay. There we go. Um, that speaks to, um, just things particularly women of color and then even more so African-American women and how um, things like advocating for yourself, like they're they're not essentially they're saying the promotions and um, having like a mentor and leadership. It's not for the lack of advocating for those things, um, for being qualified for those things. Um, And it's still just simply not happening. Um, So I'll make sure I put the link 
just to back up all of the things that we are discussing and saying that it's not a um, just two person experience, you know, Um, and just for and I want to talk more too, just about two things that you said, um, but for like for women of color, for African-American women and for allies to get a better understanding, right, of the, the actual like reality of things that um, we don't always even give ourselves permission to um, reflect on. Totally. I, you know, I had a white woman at work tell me like you need to like start reading your emails and start making your asks the same way like the average white guy in the meeting does and I was like yo that's like really real and then I sat in a meeting and I was just like yo this guy literally spent 20 minutes explaining how on this particular project he doesn't want to do what he's told his job is and they okayed it and so it's like okay, maybe I should try this approach. And I encourage other, like, I'm trying to be better about it. I find that I'm, like, slowly getting comfortable with it. Um, it's definitely, it's 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 an interesting space when you, like, really step back and just, like, reflect on, like, power dynamics and, and how they play in an organization. I mean, I'm so fascinated by it um, because it's so true. Like, the data's real. The opportunity, like, how opportunities happen are real you have like you don't have enough people advocating you know I can only speak like as a black woman I didn't know going into the industry that I'm in that like it's no one's gonna help set me up for success even though like I when I'm a people manager I'm like I make sure my people shine I make sure I give them the best opportunities glowing recommendations like push them to see things in themselves that maybe they didn't and I've, I've literally had to like come down off of like my, <laughs> who I am and how I am as a manager and accept that like, that's not where I am. And it is, it's, it's like, it's the most ugly battle of just like fighting for what's mine. I never used to care about credit, but I promise you my name is on every single document that I make. Everything we do is in Google Docs. So I'm like, like locking it down. You ain't going to be able to edit. You're not going to be able to copy because so many times since I've been in the workplace that I've that I've seen my work product like used without my permission right credit not given to the person that it should be my work resulting in someone else getting promoted and it's like how do you not become bitter by that you know like it's so oh it's such a gut-wrenching feeling yeah let's talk a little bit about you had mentioned um therapy Uh and I actually thought that was going to come up a little bit later, but I think it's just going to be probably throughout um, <laughs> the conversation because I I have found that to be um, a necessary um, thing to incorporate into my life. Um, before I even realized how important self-care was, somehow I found therapy first. <laughs> um, so can you please share with like your experience in therapy and how that has helped you to navigate these experiences and spaces that you've already spoken about. 
Totally. Therapy changed my life. And I, if I could make like millions of dollars, I would donate to like black people going to therapy, like finding a way to make that happen. Because, um, I started therapy as a result of moving to London and being an expat And there is this thing called expat depression, right? So you move to another country. And for me, it was like, I had spent all of my 20s just running. Explain what expat is. Yeah, an expat is um, an expatriate. So you leave your home country and you move to another country. Um, Yeah, and so expat depression as like someone new to a new country, their culture, their cultures, their values, how they're just their way of life is just totally different. And I had an opportunity uh, that I had put into the universe and prayed for um to move to london and i got it and it was great and like as someone who loves to travel and i'm very worldly it was like the next best step for my career it was going to enhance my understanding of an emerging market and like lead and all the things i could ever dream up and more Um, i remember i remember it was so exciting it was huge. Like, I, I mean, like, I, I miss just, like, I miss the drive that 28-year-old Chantel has. Like, she's she's, she's so in there, but she just she just moves differently. Um, right. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and it was, like, when I, it was this rush and this sexy idea of, like, living out, living in another country. I'd, like, moved to London. I was tra- jet-setting to work to Paris for a week. To, like, living out, like, right? Like, my dream. And then, like, had my first set of my my, one of my best friends come, spent like a a weekend in Barcelona, and then I went, I had to fly back to California. So there was, again, it it makes sense as to why I need to be still now. But it also, like, it was so fast and so new that I didn't have time, like, to even unpack boxes and let, like, the dust settle, right? And so going into, like, August, September, was when I was really like there and I was like, I'm alone and I'm navigating in this new country, like a new continent, far, far away from where my family is, trying to like figure out who I am in this space that like, now I'm not just a black, you know, African-American woman. I'm a black woman, African-American, not at all tied to like the UK or British, right? And so, there were now a number of things that I was trying to figure out and I was like internally struggling with and, um, you know, trying to find my space and who I am as well as like unpack all these things that like I brought with me that I didn't realize, but time and solitude required me to deal with them. And, um, I was sad. I was so sad and I couldn't like even put it into words. I get emotional thinking about it because I was just like, why do I feel this way? Like, this is what I wanted. I'm living this out. And so, um, one of my friends was like, maybe you should go to therapy. And it opened my eyes to like so much of just who I was, like what I experienced growing up and how that weighed on me as an adult. Like, you know, what are my triggers? Like, why do I feel the way that I do? Why is work, you know, why do I hold work to such a high standard or like the most important thing in my life? It just allowed me to really have a deeper understanding of myself. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm now 
what am I? I'm almost at two years of therapy and like it has forever changed my life and I will go forever. I will have my own therapist. I will have a couple therapists when God puts the right man in my life. We gonna do that as soon as we decide to like lock it down. My yes. children are gonna go to therapy. There's, I just think like it's so important and it's something that for so long we never felt like, again, we could occupy this space, right? And I I remember even talking to my mother about it and talking to my grandmother about it because out of those therapy sessions came a lot of understanding of like things I experienced that really played into why I'm the way that I am. And I remember my, my mom at first being like, what are you doing going to therapy? Like, that's not for us. And I was so angry. And I remember even my grandmother having this like, very negative attitude about it and then I took a step back and I and I was like well if my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother were slaves right we're like I am literally property of someone the right to talk about my feelings like that's not a thing and so it really it was it was like a very emotional like coming to Jesus moment of like, no, my mom's and my grandmother is not going to get it because like, this is generational trauma. And this is like, these are things that like, we like, we didn't talk about our feelings because we were just happy to like be alive and be free, you know? And so, um, that was like such an awakening. And even as my mom is coming around to this idea of talking about our feelings, it makes so, it makes life abundantly clear as to like why we didn't talk. Like we just didn't talk about our feelings. Like growing up, I remember like we were either in like rage and like arguing or it was just silence. And it was just, and and I, and again, it's generational. We didn't talk about our feelings. Um, so I want to see a world where, black people in particular can have spaces to talk about how they feel um, because there's so much that the, the, the systemic stuff is not going away and to not be able to express how those things make you feel um, is just really not fair and it just it, it it pains me so I'm I'm super grateful that I have the means and support to do it and I think everyone in my life that I can tell like hey you should go talk to someone that's like my first thing to to them um, when I'm being like a good friend because I, I think there's no greater way to get to like who you are and loving yourself more when you can start by understanding who you are in order to love yourself more right right and there is so there's so much to unpack I think we're just so used to um, as women carry things and be quiet about it um, and then another layer of a woman of color, another layer of as a black woman, we're just all just so used to just caring things and dealing and even maybe finding ways to go around it, but never actually deal with it, you know, cause you're right. It's, it's prioritizing, right? Like survival. And that probably wasn't, that wasn't a part of it. I, there was, uh, there was this part in this book, the more than enough book, um, by Elaine Welteroth. I feel like I always shag up her last name, but yeah. <laughs> 
And um, it reminded me of like, I constantly heard over and over again, oh, but Maquita, you're so strong. And I remember getting to the point of being like, I'm tired of having to be strong. Like I'm strong because I have to be. Like there's no other option. The other option is to fail, to not exist in really any of the spaces that I'm in. Um, and not exist like as a person as who I am. So I don't know, I have to be strong. But what being strong meant a lot of the times was when something arose, which it's a daily thing a lot of the times, right? Like between your regular just um, life interactions and then you have various microaggressions that happen at work and then, um, or just on the street, um, and then, you know, your different things of being a family member, your different things like for me being a mom and dealing with various things like court, all of that, right? So have all of that and then the, the option is this. When something comes, you pick yourself up, you wipe your face, pick yourself up, and then um, move on. You know what I mean? So even those things that are constantly chipping away at you a little bit, you don't even notice it because you just got to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Especially if you want to move up or out anywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I, I feel like my mom was the same way and I feel like she's trying to soften, but those things take time. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it was hard. I think like, I know it was like my childhood bad or anything like that, but it was just like, I wanted to be able to feel all the things that I felt without having to like put on this like armor. And, and I think our parents play such like a role in that. Right. Cause it was like, for me, my mom was this like, I'm not going to show my emotions because that's just how I have to be like, and again, like in the military and all that. And then also I think this dynamic of like a dad that was like not the most emotional, emotionally available and pretty avoidant um, when it came to like relationships. And so like, then you have this kid that's like, believe me, listen to me. And you see like, as I progress, like in spaces where I struggle the most, it's when I'm not being heard and I'm not being believed and I'm not being listened to. And um, I think therapy has really allowed me to like, notice when that's happening and quiet the part of my mind that gets super anxious and then quiet when like depression wants to show up and be like you suck this is why like things don't work out like it gets really dark really fast and so therapy the in the last year it's been really focusing about like what's my center how do I find my center and how do I get back to my center and in these spaces where work is very difficult and I'm navigating and I'm trying to like, you know, not step on this or not say this or like, I mean, it's to the point where sometimes I have to practice my speech, right? Or I'll even move a meeting because I know I'm triggered, right? And this, in this moment, and I know I don't have the right to, I'm not going, it's not going to turn out well for me if I go into this meeting upset and say how I really feel. So I'm like, hey, something's come up. I'm going to have to need to take you know, I'm gonna have to need to move our meeting, catch up with you tomorrow. I'll send the agenda and have you prepped ahead of it. But that's, that time is really for me to like, 
plan out what it is that I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And, and I mean, and then you deal with like the other end of it, right? Where it's like, oh, wow, you're so articulate because you didn't think I would be like, why is that even something we're acknowledging? But yeah, I think, I mean, therapy is the only reason for, for me. And I get like everything like, and, and there's like so many different forms of therapy now and it's not taboo. There's art therapy, there's music, there's like, there's yoga and meditation, there's mindfulness, there's breathing. Like there's so many things that you can do. But for me, what works the best is really like, sitting down and talking about like where I am and why I I really want to know my why, like, why am I triggered? Why does this make me upset? You know, and, and being okay with it. Um, cause it's like, we can, I think it's, you know, I had this conversation with my sister today about like this idea that like, we're so quick to like forgive other people and we're so quick to like accept other people's flaws, but we don't do that for ourselves. Right. 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 Super hard on ourselves. Not everyone. Right. But yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So with therapy, making the time to find one, um, any advice on when searching for one, what to look for? I mean, I've heard people f- have difficulty finding one. Yes, right? totally. Um, so for me, I wanted a woman. I wanted a black woman. If it was a black woman that had also like, you know, I, I got lucky in that I am in Oakland and I was able to find a, she's, um, black and white like me. So we have that connection. Um, but like, I also am really interested in like what their style is as well as what their, um, like specialty or area of expertise. So in California, um, you can like, you can do a statewide search on like what it is that you're looking for and what you, you know, want someone to have an expertise in. And I, um, particularly was interested in someone who supports like, you know, people of color, um, wanted the person to be a person of color, preferably black. Um, and also wanted someone who had a strong understanding of like children's issues. Um, because I think like we, we, you know, we operate in the spaces of like themes and like, you know, how we are is usually related to like what we experienced growing up. And so my logic was like, if she has an understanding of children, you know, trauma and that type of stuff, it would be good for me to kind of like bring it all together. Um, and she also lived abroad and that was just like something I gathered when I was doing like my research for finding like a good fit. So like she lived in Spain and so we were able to like connect, like she understood what my experiences were like living abroad cause she had done it herself. And it was just, it was like, you wanted to feel comfortable and like home. And then another thing was like understanding her style. Um, and so you can go, like you can get whatever you you want out of counseling like sometimes it's just you want to go and talk about how you feel sometimes you want like them to interact with you and really push you and so I'm in this phase where it's like it's very interactive where I say how I feel I'm given the task it's like our flow is like how does this tie into like broader themes and then it's like okay well where do we go from here and that's just a personal preference because it's like I am a person who again loves to see targets love to see deliverables even in my personal life and so I'm then able to like attack it or approach it like I would with work which may or may not work for everybody um but I had gone through when I first started counseling it was less about the work part and really just like 
I need to talk to someone and I've never done this before. Um, so it was really just getting it out. Um, so yeah. Um, really quickly, if you're able to expand at all on this statewide search, what was that? Like you're able, is that based on like your insurance or is that like a thing in the state of California? So like for me, for like work pays for, um, covers my, yeah. So yeah, I was able to do it that way. But I will say though, that they do have, um, like here in California, you can search by like, they have like a network for like California, um, like therapists of color and like just through a Google search. Um, (laughs) yeah, you can find that. I found mine actually, and I don't know, some of this kind of like how yours is super specific and all of those things were like aligned, you know, it's beautiful. (laughs) It makes, it makes it so much like, it just makes it so much easier into like feeling like you can share because there's like that level of empathy because you lived it. Um, and that's, and that's super important to me because you at least, I feel like as a counselor, you at least will then have an understanding of how you think you'll have at least one to two ways in which you think I need help or you think I'm feeling. And if you're wrong, you're at least in the ballpark, um, which helps. So Uh yeah, it's less for you to unpack because they already have that understanding. So you don't now have to go deeper in explaining whatever from those different, those very, you know, those are multiple experiences. They get it. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And the style that was good. Life things with McQuita Danielle. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Amongst all of the unfortunate times that we're experiencing in this country and in the world right now, a friend and I, a fellow artist and I, decided to take our paint and poetic prose sessions online. Paint and prose? Isn't that like a paint and sip? Yeah, the better. Paint and poetic prose is the virtual something different that you've been looking for. We bring a open mic like experience and a paint and sip like experience. We bring them together and we bring them online so that you can choose to either join a general class and meet new people or host your own private session inclusive of you and your closest friends and family to celebrate a birthday or a holiday. For an example, we have a Mother's Day event that's recently been booked and we also have a birthday that's recently been booked. All attendees will receive personalized packages delivered directly to their door and or whatever the address it is that they provide. If you are a hosting your own birthday event, you no longer have to worry about party favors, entertainment, any sort of cleanup. Nope. Just bring your own cake. We're the entertainment. We're there to interact with your guests. And also with their personalized packages, it's like they're receiving a favor from you directly. We also do other holidays, work events. If you are missing happy hour with your coworkers and friends, this is the place to book something different. On Zoom, we all meet in the same room and have an experience, a virtual, unique, relaxing, calming, and authentic, most importantly, an authentic experience together. Janelle Jordan, the professional visual artist, truly one of the most talented and beautiful artists I know, will walk you through very a very unique art piece that's simple enough for people like me, the non-visual artist, to grasp, but also leave with feeling like we made something that's unique and special to 
to us because she teaches you how to kind of add your own flair to it. We're painting on wood, we're painting with alcohol, and I have the pleasure of delivering the correlated poetic pieces while also moderating the associated discussions. The poetry pieces are relatable on a somewhat universal level, but they're deep. They give you all the feels. They'll feed the mind, feed the soul, and if you allow them to, they will feed the conversations if you just open up a little bit. And people always do. They always do. Both the art pieces and the poetry selections correlate with one of four themes. That means that you'll be delivered poetry and you'll learn how to paint a unique but easy to follow art piece that is tied to earth, air, fire, or water. If you're a zodiac lover, this is right up your alley. All right, it's your turn. Go to the website right now. Open up a new tab, open up Safari, Google Chrome, wherever you are. Stop what you're doing. Go to www.paintandpoeticprose.com. Explore the options available if you do not see a date and time that works well for you, hit us up, send us a message, but go to it right now. Here are some of the things that previous attendees had to say about their own experience. I was a little bit kind of um, intimidated in the beginning because I don't know anyone in the group, but I really felt, of course, I felt really welcomed and there was a very um, warm group of women. Um, sometimes it's really hard, um, you know, if, if you don't know people, but that's that's really great. So I think that the format of just being, um, you know, by yourself participating is also such a great idea. And I'm not sure if you're just limiting this to women, um, McLean and Janelle, but I thought that this particular format is really um, very, uh, I don't know, it's, it's very powerful to me because I think that while everyone's struggling, um, I think that we have unique um, struggles as women. So um, I really appreciate this. So thanks for inviting me. Just getting this little snippet, I'm like, I want more. <laughs> this is yeah. definitely something to look forward to um, yeah. for today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, this has been a great experience just because I'm a girl's girl. I love meeting amazing women that are unapologetically themselves and they like to share and be vulnerable and be strong and be funny and be um, emotional all at the same time. I know that that as women, as wives, as sisters, as friends, as mothers, as business women, so many times we forget to uh, take a moment for ourselves. So I want to thank each of you for taking those moments this evening to share that time with us because we spread ourselves so thin many times. And to have the opportunity to just relate to other women in a really spiritual and artistic and calming. I mean, every time you read a poem, I closed my eyes and I just mm -hmm. heard it. I didn't look at anything. I just was listening to it. Mm -hmm. And every time Janelle painted something, I was eyeing it. So it's like this really interesting juxtaposition between all of the senses mm. of listening to something and taking it in without seeing anything, creating your own photograph in your mind, and then opening your eyes and creating something that's actual tangible art. I think you guys are onto something that people are going to need more and more. Please, please, please. Um, thank you so much, um, everyone, for your um, stories, for sharing your time, your energy. It's just been good vibes this evening. 
hope we can grow this community and make it amazing because I think it's really important. We are all trying to get it together, honey. We are all trying to get it together. (laughs) We are doing the best we can. The website again is www.paintandpoeticprose.com. We can't wait to meet you. We are headed back into our discussion. Um, Cool. So the other thing was in terms of allies, it was a few things that you said earlier. Um, Being able to find allies within the workplace. How do you like like hmm. let's talk about the importance of having an ally um, why is that important? And how did you get past not necessarily even wanting that ally to be there at first, but then opening up yourself um, to it? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I look, I think like a allyship in the way of like, we, like we can conquer so much more together and I have to understand that like, sure, I, I can be this strong person and I can do all these things, but like I can go so much further with the support and help of others. Um, and it's important to know like when I need help and it's okay to ask for that help. And that help can be like, I vividly remember the first time I told an ally that he was going to step up as my ally was like, I knew we were going into a meeting with someone who was very rude to women, like unconscious or conscious bias that he has of like, he cuts off women. He like doesn't care about their ideas. And I remember like, I was so adamant about what I wanted to happen for this project and like inevitably what for my career that I remember like setting aside, like taking aside one of my teammates and I was like, this is what you're going to do. Like, I already know that he's going to interrupt me as soon as I begin talking. When he does that, you're going to interrupt him and you're going to say Chantel has something she needs to say. Therefore, we're going to listen to her. And he was like, kind of like shocked. And I was like, don't pretend like you don't see what I see. It's fine. At this point, I'm not here to focus on like the fact that he doesn't want to listen to me. I'm telling you today, he's listening to me and this is what we're doing. And sure enough, like true to form, as soon as it was my time, I had the last 10 minutes. Interestingly enough, I only had 10 minutes at the last, you know, of a meeting and it was getting ready to like, like cut me off. And it was like, no, Chantel has something she has to say. And sure enough, that was the only reason I was heard and from that moment forward I was like I'm going to read all of these people and I will make sure moving forward that I demand that because I mean it's, it's my right and the thing is like in that moment I had to like I had to accept that like I wasn't going to change this person's view I just needed to know who I could latch on to as an ally and explain to them like this is you and I both know like it is what it is I'm not here to be sad about that what I'm here is like I'm here to like drive and I have something I need to get done and I need you to help me get it done 
And so um, allyship is important because we can't do it alone. And sometimes it's less about like trying to explain to the ally what allyship is and how you need them to show up. Just tell them how they are going to show up. And that's like not that's not a all the time case. It really takes time to find like who. And this is because I had been in like we had a, this cadence of the meeting was weekly. I knew this person well enough to like trust him to know that he would have my back. And so it takes time time too it's like any relationship um and and you have to also kind of create the space to like like level set like it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about like hey I'm the one black person here and I really need you to have my back but (laughs) without even going into that and sometimes I do because it's like hey like no one's really here for me and I need someone to be in my corner without someone in my corner like I have zero credibility and I understand where I am and it's not me being sad and it's not me like looking for sympathy it's like I'm now trying to get things done and I know I can do it with your support um so communicating again like I think me being able to like play to my strength of like effectively communicating what it is that I'm trying to do and what it is that I want and what I need this person to do for me and how that just plays into the the larger um thing we're trying to accomplish is is so key but yeah like I think allies can show up in different ways and you have to understand like you have to open the door for like engaging but it starts by acknowledging like you ain't gonna do this alone Mm, right Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm that's huge. I think that's so proactive and ballsy. I hate using that word because it's so manly, but it's very bold to yeah. um, <laughs> to tell someone how to be your ally. But I think that that and like and I'm playing back various scenarios and I'm thinking that probably would have worked in that scenario. It probably would have worked in that scenario as opposed to kind of waiting for them to step up, which um doesn't happen often (laughs) yeah and it puts people like that in a position who as you you sought out you knew that he would have your back right so it puts people that have that trait in a position to choose now to step up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or not but yeah Mm, that's very interesting um hmm So it's very like that was another thing I always was like, God, you're so good at that in terms of like office politics. And one of the things I had uh, mentioned before, it was like these unfair truths. Right. We talk about the use of like crying in order to get your way and that sort of thing. And I remember how you even spoke as a manager, how you would handle a situation like that. And I'm just like, it's beautiful you know um yeah and so the and we're gonna wrap up but um I want to touch on this and then I'm gonna get in a little bit more of your journey if that's okay yeah yeah all right so um office politics and how to navigate that um what does that look like successfully so you named one really good way of navigating that in meetings, right? Like, um, and the importance of finding your allies and reading a room, um, and instead of putting your energy towards the the negative thing that's never gonna change, um, putting it towards somewhere where you know it can help make the change happen regardless. Putting your, kind of a bit of like your ego aside even, and understand, yeah. 
but in a way that is very positive, right? Like I, instead of it being a thing that eats away at you and constantly feeling defeating, just recognizing it as a pure truth. And so now I'm going to use knowing now with knowing that I know how to operate in this space. So what other tips do you have in terms of navigating um, office politics? Yeah, I mean, I think the key part and and I think kind of tying back to this ego check is that like what like again for me, it's like, what is my goal? My goal is to, you know, be successful in the work that I do and feel like I am helping a community community and adding value and that I'm impacting someone's life for good. Like that is my true north. Like everything I do, like when I'm looking for jobs, when I'm in jobs, when I'm feeling like down and in a rut and I'm feeling like, well, why do I feel this way? It's because I'm clearly steering away from those things that are like my truth and super important to me. And so staying grounded in that those things are, are how I think I do my best in navigating, like it's an inevitable thing and it is completely exhausting. So what I always try to do is like, I prefer to observe. I observe for a really long time before I say like, even in meetings, even like, particularly when I join a team, it's a lot of just like observing. Like first 90 days, I'm not, you know, doing much other than like, what's my work assignment? I'm doing a lot of networking and like, I'm the type of person I'm super extroverted in that like, I'll, it's nothing for me to like put time on someone's calendar because I mean you got to read people like it's all I mean and again like I was trained my background in investigations like that's what I used to do I like you know I read body language I can like sense the roles people play in spaces but it's also just something like it's totally learnable but it's something I enjoy doing like I love being able to see like who does what and like to predict what I think is going to be the next chess move by the given person that I'm assessing because you have to like it really is a matter of being like two steps ahead and it's it's also super important when or if you have to work with this person um to know how they work right so it's like i've i've had to work with really difficult people that started as peers and got promoted whether i agreed with it or not but then they had some level of oversight over me and so like it's a lot of like just taking time to get to know people and the authentic part of me is like who shows up to work every day is the real Chantal. And, um, I think that that, like, I'm a likable person. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not mean. I don't like, I get, you get so much more by being kind to people and it's real. So it's not forced. Um, right. But I do get that, like, people play, like, mad games. And, I mean, right. the thing is, like, I'm playing them, too. Um, but it's just how I choose to go about doing it. But I do take the time. Like, the stuff that doesn't result in any... It's not transactional. Like, it really is a matter of, like, hey, I'm interested in learning about what you're working on. I also, in my in the back, know, like, what you, what you work on and how this is going to potentially funnel into either my performance reading, a future project that I have, what, you know, you, you're connected with people that are working on this stuff like so it's it's a lot about that and in those in those meetings and in those moments you learn a lot about a person too to where it like the office politics you take it less personally I think more recently 
I've been taking more time to understand and by no means am I like better than anyone, but I'm very much in tune with who I am. And so I'm like, oh, this is why you play these types of games. Like you're really insecure in this particular space. You're upset because you've been passed over for promo X number of times, or you're trying to juggle being a mom and working in this like very stressful space that that is what's helping me too. kind of going back to what we talked about earlier of like not taking everything like out on me, right? Like that's a them thing. It's not a Chantel thing. Like I don't have to carry the weight of how, you know, they did try to like sideline me on a project. Like I just know now who you are and I see you for who you are. I will play, you know, I will now make moving forward. I'll make sure that like all these things are in a row. I like keep all of that captured. And then just try to keep it moving because what's my end goal? My end goal is to stay rooted in like what's important, ensuring that I'm like focusing on the community and that the work that I do is having like impact in helping someone's life. And whenever I feel like I'm getting even into it, like Game of Thrones type style, I'm like, you need to step back, chick, and like reflect <laughs> and remember what you're doing. Um, so, I mean, it's easy to get sucked into it. It's it's, it's messy. So easy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's, it's messy. The environment. Yeah. 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 Mm. In a in a specific instance where someone sidelines you on a project, they purposely leave you out of a meeting, they distribute the materials to everyone but you, etc. Like, how do you handle something like that? Oh, I go to them. I have no, like, I don't do passive aggressive. I don't do like BS. And that, I think that is like a gift and a curse, right? Um, Because it makes it very difficult for me um, in these, in these spaces. But yeah, no, I, I totally like, I'm very much a person. I don't like email. So it usually goes in the format of, I reach out through email. I said that I've put time on their calendar. You'll find in the calendar invite, some talking points, that some things I'd like us to discuss. If the date and time don't work for you, let me know when you're available so we can chat. But it's very much, and if I can do it in person, I'll do it in person. Given our current climate, everything is over like video conference. Um, but no, I, I, I believe in like talking and communicating face to face. Um, be either behind a screen or in in real life, but I don't do I don't do those games. And it also is really just coming from a place of understanding, rather than like go into like the accusatory thing. It's very much like, hey, I, I would love to know like why you did this. Like, can can you can you share with me why you did that? And then I'll say, when you did that, I really did receive it like this. And I know it sounds like basic one hundred and one communications, but like yeah. we don't. There's so many people that don't do that that we like I could if I didn't do that I could create this whole narrative that may not even be the case you know I had the opposite happen to me recently where one of the stakeholders and again unbeknownst to me she wanted to be on and it's just a matter of getting used to her style she wanted to be on every single comms that I sent out I didn't I didn't realize that one she didn't specify that two but and at three I guess I was supposed to know that so she got very upset she went to my manager and was like Chantel didn't do x y and z popped off got really ugly and so my manager said something kind of neat to me in passing which again not my style but again whatever and so I was like okay I'll reach out to her 
And that's exactly what I did, put time on her calendar. I said, hey, I just wanted to give you a heads up. I apologize if me not including you made you feel like you were out of the loop. Moving forward, these are the comms that I'll make sure that I include you in. I will just, you know, just as a FYI, you'll start getting weekly progress updates on this project if, if that's what works best for you. And now, and if you can tell me also what's the role you want to play. So moving forward, we're lock and step. And she was like, I think you I just felt like you didn't want me to like be involved it's not about a credit thing I was like girl I'm not even worried about who's getting credit at this point like we have a project we need we're saying we want launched by May 11th and I'm trying to juggle all the things we have going on and she was like, I had no idea. And it was in that moment that I was like, okay, I could check myself and saying I could have probably communicated better. And that's why I was like, and that's why I started this meeting by saying, I'm sorry. And it was just like that cleared up all of it. And it, it showed me that like she wasn't capable of doing that. But I'm like, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going right. to alter it to fit the needs of like the audience. But I'm not going right. to change the fact that like I communicate effectively. I don't need to be like everybody else that doesn't communicate in super passive and just what I care. Like, no, I don't do that. Like, mm -mm. so I, yeah, I would love to go in that further, but we have a little bit of time and so it's so good. It's so good. I feel like there are so many other just gems. I think that you just need to, um, you know, book it out. I don't know. Charge a fee somewhere. I have, yeah, but I want to talk a bit more about your just background and your journey. So I know where you grew up and all of that. However, wherever you want to start in that process, start there. Um, So I grew up all over. My parents were in the military. So I was born in Japan, um, moved every three years throughout my life and um, up until high school. And then in high school, we planted roots in Virginia. Um, And so went to high school in Virginia, went to college in Virginia, which is how we met. Yeah, we Um, went to rival high schools. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Such an East Coaster. Like, I literally had a conversation with my mom this past weekend of, like, how I think I could see myself, like, rooted here. And, like, I don't do it. Like, I'm a vagabond. Like, that's my jam. I like to move. But I'm like, yo, I'm about to sign another year lease. Like, this is, like, me getting married. So, yeah. So, I was, like, never about it. And then moved here for a year. Again, an amazing opportunity to move to London, uh, which was great. Got to live in Europe. So I've lived in three continents. That's always my corny fun fact when I do like work stuff. And then moved back 
to the Bay. And what was so beautiful in the opportunity to move back was that I had the option when I took my new job of like, you can go to New York, you can go to California. And um, I had a week to decide and I decided within a day that I wanted to go back to California because I felt like this was like the beginning of me learning myself. And it was like the space, you know, the slow pace and like the way in which people move was actually what drew me back a year later. And I was like, in New York, excuse me. I mean, I'm not ready. I just have this idea. I I like the beach. I like the mountains. I go hiking. So I talk a lot about where I live because I find that I'm so like places are super, super important to me. And I tie back to like where I was when I visit places and like food and culture um, Mm. is so, so big in in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up like with both of my parents present. My dad is white and my mom is black. And so like kind of like living in two different worlds Mm -hmm. um, and trying to find my place in those worlds. I felt like the only time I ever felt my realist was when I was in like traveling and be it traveling in books I'm the biggest book nerd um (laughs) and so most of my 20s it was about like catching flights um to different countries your book collection is lit (laughs) (laughs) I really need to do better at like writing my reviews or even starting like a book podcast because like Mm. Chantel is like agnostic of all of the things be it like my work (laughs) partnership that's not a thing it's just you know I'm working on myself and that's Mm -hmm. like a beautiful thing that I don't think we get enough space to yeah like it's a lot of focus on like it's always you know it's funny it's always the first question I'm asked like are you dating anyone like no I'm dating myself (laughs) it's fine like there's so much more to me like like, ask me the last place I visited or like yeah 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 um so i all i'm always like it's funny i'm how are you feeling that question say that again i apologize what was that i've never asked that question same i'm like um can you tell me about the book you're reading yes meal that you had that like changed your life yes yes your favorite part of your day like let's just start with like (laughs) yeah checking in with the individual Mm -hmm. yeah so um but yeah my family (laughs) is super super important to me I have a blended family my mom and dad divorced when I was in college and remarried uh, my stepdad who's amazing and I have two older stepsisters and we are like the non-normal blended family where like we are all super super close Um, it's beautiful three sisters instead of just one younger one Mm. um and Um, I'm realizing the importance of like my family and how much like when I think of like what my life is it's not like my work or who I'm with or what I'm doing it really is like who are the people that I surround myself with and like am I high, am I vibrating at a at a higher frequency to ensure that like I can be that support to the people around me right. and it you know energy is so huge to me and I'm really in this space of like evaluating the people I surround myself with. And like, if it's not good energy, I can't do it. Right. Right. Um, And I try to be, and I really try to like hone in and focus on me being that better friend, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. not being codependent and not placing or visiting things. There's a fine balance between like, yes, my friends are there and they show up for me, but like 
putting those types of things on my, you know, on my friends and family, which is again, therapy. Uh, right. But right. yeah, this phase of like figuring out like who I am and what I like and doing that on my own is such a beautiful thing that like, I look at my mom who had me at 19, like she never got to figure out who she was. Right, um, and, right. and I'm grateful, you know, for her, um, but I think it's why for me, I've been so intentional about my time alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like, I know so much about myself. Like I'm finding hobbies. I'm finding like, like nerdy things. I didn't even know that I loved. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That falling in love with yourself piece is everything. Cause there's so many, there's so much to discover and find out and dive into. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I don't want it to be over. I'm like, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this was good. So what is the best place for people to keep up with you, follow you? I would say, I know I hate to say it, but it's like, I mean, I'm probably Instagram. I I don't do a lot of like posting like I have a Twitter I have all of them mainly mm-hmm. because like I love technology and nerding out on like updates and features and how it ties <laughs> into like the tech ecosystem but um like I would say like you want to catch what I'm reading like Goodreads is my jam like mm-hmm. we can totally like I would actually say Goodreads is probably the best place to like find me nice nice I feel like and you'll see like my thoughts on my readings um mm. I'm really big on like not sharing too much about it because I want people to journey with the words on their own but mm. I'm always happy to share my feelings on like how something like words make me feel so cool uh, I'll yeah. include that link then I'll find it and include that in Perfect. the um description of this episode yeah love it Mm, thank you thank you so much for your energy and your insight and wisdom and your beauty and your friendship i love you i love you (laughs) and i miss you i will see you soon though oh girl you know like i don't know when (laughs) (laughs) but soon with a capital s underlined yes Yes. (laughs) i'm gonna go ahead and turn off the recording Well, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. I am so glad to have you all here with me. And yeah, check out the next one. I hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, I'm very happy with it. And at the end of the day, that's what matters, homie. Because when it's real and when it's authentic and when you're happy with what you're putting out there and it's rooted in your purpose, it's bound to connect with those that need to connect with it. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to create and connect with you. This is Life Things with Maquita Danielle of Polish Pistol. You can follow me on social media at Maquita Danielle. That's on Instagram, Facebook, etc. You can follow future blog posts and check out the old blog post on polishpistol.com. And I'll see you on the next episode. Episode, episode. Bye.